0: of the things I have more than a passing interest in, I've lived with them, among them, and been around them most of my life, coyotes. And in some places, they're just really vilified for things I don't quite understand. In other places, they've become pretty much accepted I'm living in an urban area most of my time when I'm not traveling around where coyotes are a part of a daily existence. The only scary part is uh, your kitties <laughs> and your domestic animals. But in most civilized parts of the country now, all these animals are put up or at best in your yard and pretty much easy to protect. The only mistakes have been some people actually befriended the coyote by feeding them and things, made it a little bit more difficult. But the reason my interest in this exists is because as we become more and more populated, not just coyotes, but other animals, need to, we need to learn to live with them. We've moved into their environment. They have a right to be here, whatever that right is. I'm not sure that's the best word, but they're going, they, should, they need to be here. They're a viable part of our existence. So living with things rather than annihilating them uh, is to me the most humane and best approach to the wildlife around us. And all of this probably won't be real popular. I have a prob- more of a problem with domestic house cats running free than I do coyotes, which are part of our natural environment. I wrote an article for one of the newspapers I was writing for many years and got myself sort of in hot water with a bunch of locals. It concerned the idea of letting domestic house cats run free. I'd come across a number which was pretty carefully studied then in the state of Florida, and this was back over a decade ago. So when you think of this; it's only gotten worse. They estimated and it counted, and were trying to help eliminate more than 22 million, 22 million, cats in the state of Florida, killing hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of our native animals, and and a number of our natives. There was not a small cat that lived in this part of the world. So a lot of our native birds and animals didn't have a natural uh, offense to They just didn't quite understand. And they ended up falling prey to the house cat, whether it's birds, whether it's reptiles, whether it's mammals. So I, I'm, I've I'm got a cat, okay? I've owned a couple of cats in my life, but they're basically indoor. If they're outdoor, they're where I'm I'm in control and uh, they shouldn't be out killing millions, not hundreds, but millions of our native animals. On the other side, the coyote was here, should be here, was evolved to be here. So I say this with a lot of bias, but I say coyotes are pretty cool to see in our urban living areas. They are adapted to our urban ecosystems. So coyotes are present in a lot of places now. They live with us and among us. And I like to say, if you see one, it's okay. It's okay if you see a coyote where they're supposed to be. Remember, that's where they've been living. And they have moved a lot, but that's our problem. We moved them. They didn't move themselves. That's another story. I guess one of the reasons I'm so, so enamored with coyotes, it's like two words. They're opportunistic and they're extremely resilient. So they're able to persist and survive among us. And they're opportunists in that they will utilize whatever resources are available in the area. think about this because I love the sound of hearing coyotes for just a moment I kind of stop and think it's really, this is interesting the same sound that our Native Americans and the early explorers got here were serenaded with to sleep a lot of nights so it's a pretty cool thing that those remnants of the wild can still exist and even serenade us in the evenings when I lived out North of L.A., it was literally two or three nights a week we got to hear them uh, sing us to sleep almost. Incidentally, the name Coyote and the scientific name Canis Latrans actually means, believe it or not, singing dog. So they're doing a whole repertoire of the songs and yelps and yips, but they do amazing tricks with vocalization. If you're especially really close to really catch the details, it's fascinating to listen to them. And incidentally, in many parts of our our country in the last because of the fires and the floods, the the climate change. I think people are noticing them a little bit more, especially because of all this Uh, changes in vegetation, changes in their their ability to find food. Uh, They do try to fatten up this time of year for the potential winter that's coming in a lot of places so that just might be another reason that uh, we're seeing them a bit more than we used to and a friend out west i said what do you do about them because of your domestic animal first you take care of your domestic animals but he did a thing called hazing it's kind of interesting he was a pretty good wildlife guy it's a technique that works Uh, Hazing is kind of like waving your hands, clapping your hands, stomping your feet, making loud noises. Kind of be the biggest boss in the woods. Or in this case, be the biggest guy in your urban environment. He proved to me it's sort of an effective way to keep coyotes fearful of us. Because remember, coyotes, even though they're medium-sized animals, they were never an apex predator. When they came along before we were here, they weren't at the top of the food chain. They grew up with the bears and the mountain lions and the wolves and other big animals. So when we haze, actually it reinforces their placement of where they are in the food chain. Their placement in the food web of staying in the margins and literally knowing to be skittish around other organisms, especially big things like us. I do want to say once more that we need to emphasize responsible pet ownership. It's not just coyotes. There's other things living in our urban society also. So if you have a small dog or a cat that you allow outside, which I always question anyway, uh, if you're able to, you know, please bring it inside if you can't keep your eyes on it. That's how I do my cats. Now my, one of my dogs weighs 125 pounds. I'm not worried about coyotes. So, I like to say, responsible pet ownership is the best way to keep both your pet safe and whatever the environment is around you, uh, whether it's coyotes, whatever, healthy. It's a win-win for everybody, and it's, I think it makes our urban existence a little bit more interesting and a little bit more exciting. As a bit of a change of subject for the last part of this portion of the show, let's talk about the richness of life on Earth. It's biodiversity, and it is in trouble. Scientists estimate that a million plant and animal species, for instance, like Madagascar's flowering forest coconut palm and the African white-backed vulture, are at real risk of extinction, many within the next decade or two. This rate of species loss is unprecedented in our world and could be as devastating in many ways as climate change itself. World leaders are now meeting, trying to thrash out a new global deal to save what's left. Here's, I think, a little bit of what you should probably know about that. And there's little doubt, humanity and its activity is mostly to blame. Converting land and sea for agriculture and aquaculture, among other uses, is the most destructive force. Harvesting animals and plants in excessive amounts, especially our fish, for use in legal and illegal trade is also hugely damaging. As an example, endangered pangolins, the demure looking little anteater kind of guys endemic to Africa and Asia, are literally being hunted out of existence for their scales, which is used in a number of traditional medicines, especially in China. However, scientific studies have shown it has no value as a medicine whatsoever. It's strictly one of these old wives tales that's come up for thousands of years and this animal is in real trouble because of it. And they're felling whole forest of a thing called big leaf mahogany trees for use in luxury furniture and even, when I play guitar, musical instruments, threatening their very survival. Climate change and pollution also makes life difficult for many species. As temperatures rise, for instance, coral reefs are really struggling to cope, many of them which are now dead for miles and miles. And of course, the nitrogen pollution from agricultural runoff and sewage uh, leaks fuel, which causes algae blooms, that actually smother sea life. I always bring up the, the giant dead zone in the Gulf of Mexico, And each year I think it's going to be the biggest and then it'll go back a year or two and then it'll get bigger than ever. The last time I saw it was over 6,000 square miles. It would cover a good piece of New England when it was active. On Florida's east coast, for example, where regular episodes of thick algae literally choke out the seagrass. And the manatees in the area, incidentally, just saw this very day on my science news. We've lost 1,100 manatees that we're aware of this year. They're actually starving to death because of climate change and the things the ordinary, each just not reproducing. And one invasive species I've actually dealt with is a toxic Pretty big toad called the cane toad, and it's wiping out native species left and right. It's so poisonous it can kill your dog if they chew on it, and it's big enough to eat small mammals, small reptiles, and it has a voracious appetite in places that it's gone wild. In my estimation, collectively as a planet, we're doing pretty bad. We're not doing a very good job of it. The scale of the problem is First, kind of underneath, most people don't even realize it, but it's shocking when you finally see what the real numbers are. Unfortunately, I'll we'll just kind of wrap this up before my my portion of the show gets too long. On the outside, us, the United States, is the only first-world country that is not signed up to the Convention on Biological Diversity. Uh, it's came along in the previous administration, I'm hoping that the current administration will be a little bit more aware and a little bit more willing to become part of the solution, not part of the problem. For the good news side of that, we have committed to conserve at least 30% of the United States lands and ocean areas by the year 2030. Local communities will help design and lead these conservation efforts here in the United States. And projects will respect the rights and priorities of our tribal nations for sure. And they're really gonna be an integrated, they really do still depend on the world around them more than we realize. So they're actually gonna be an active group to help us in this conservation effort. So even though we haven't joined this, this convention yet, the United States can still influence the global biodiversity On its own, and this step towards saving a good percentage of our lands is part of the direction we need to go. Remember, we gave away literally millions of acres in the last four years. Thank goodness that didn't all go through. And we've just gotten our land back almost a million acres at Bears, Ears, and in Escalante. So we are regaining what I thought we were going to lose forever to the oil companies and whoever could uh, take it from us. I mean, it belongs to us. It's a national treasure. And giving it away for short-term gain was just never a good idea. Thanks for staying tuned to Organic Matters.